Okay, um, so uh, I have with me um, Tim Williams, Dr. Tim Williams, uh, who's the uh, CEO and uh, co-founder of My Clinical Outcomes, um, which was one of the phase two projects funded in the Cancer Innovation Challenge. So, uh, Tim, can you tell me a bit about My Clinical Outcomes? Yeah, so MCO is a patient and clinician-facing web platform for the collection and analysis of patient-reported outcome measures uh, in routine clinical practice. So what that means is we're essentially a website that helps doctors manage their patients better. What are patient-reported outcome measures? Good question. So PROMS, patient-reported outcome measures, are structured clinical surveys uh, that have been used for donkey's years in the clinical literature. Um, And essentially what they do is they quantify the subjective. So they put a number on the impact a disease has on a patient's life at a point in time. So I'll give you an example uh, from outside of cancer where we're now working. So if you you look at uh, hip arthritis patients, uh, there's a a, a long-standing measure called the Oxford Hip Score. It's a 12-item questionnaire that asks about pain and limitation of function caused by hip arthritis. Um, Those 12 questions are things like, how often does pain wake you at night? And the answers range from always through to sometimes frequently and never. Um, That produces a number over 12 questions. You get a score, in this case, out of 48. And that number really helps patients and their clinicians to understand the impact of that disease on that patient's life at a point in time. What MCO does is systematise the collection and analysis of that data and makes it possible to use as part of the routine care pathway. So it's essentially patient-generated data, patient-reported data. Exactly. So it's it, and it's the it's the missing ingredient. So uh, if I give you a bit of background about MCO, so I was a junior doctor um, for four years working in the NHS, and then worked as a healthcare management consultant for a few years in the NHS. Um, where I saw two sides of the same challenge, and that's that there's uh, greater numbers of patients with greater availability to new treatments and, um, and healthcare services are doing all they can to manage all patients as well as they, as well as they can. But the only real interface the health system has with patients is when they're sat in front of them. What, and what we don't really have eyes on is how well patients are, or how effective treatments are in between consultations. Um, and that's bad for patients in terms of understanding the benefits or otherwise of their own treatment and when to seek further help from their doctor. But it's also bad from the doctor's perspective in that they haven't got that visibility of how things have been before the patient has turned up that day and and so that limits their ability to make more informed decisions and it also certainly limits limits their ability to prioritize their increasingly limited time to the patients that need it most rather than just make make a decision based on best available information for the patient who happens to be top of the list that morning Um, So the idea for MCO was to take this approach that was commonplace in clinical trials land, which is where um, people have always understood that the voice of the patient and the impact of treatments on patients has been important to capture, but then to flow that through into routine practice and try to bridge this gap that was a problem for for clinicians when I was working as a junior doctor and a problem for managers when I was working as a management consultant in order to help uh, clinicians deliver more of the right treatments to the right patients faster, Mm -hmm. but also their managers to make care pathways as effective and as efficient as possible to manage this growing burden of disease. So in a nutshell, it essentially you know, uh, gives a clinician or the clinical team uh, the bigger picture picture so they can 
you know, deliver better care, essentially, to the patient. Exactly. I, I wouldn't necessarily say the bigger picture, but it's certainly a missing piece of the puzzle, mm. uh, which is the patient's perspective. That's the, that's the, 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 the bit that's so often missing is the patient's perspective and, uh, more importantly, how that perspective uh, changes over time in over treatment and between consultations. And is there a growing recognition that this missing piece of data is, you know, essential to the delivery of care? Yeah, so hu- hugely, and and you know, we we started the business um, in two thousand and eleven. Uh, the need there was actually around that orthopedic example that I mentioned earlier, um, where you've got a, uh, more and more patients getting access to hip and knee replacements. Uh, surgeons knowing that to do right by those patients, they need to keep track of those uh, of those of those patients and those implants uh, for as long as they might last but knowing that they haven't necessarily got the capacity to do so. Mm-hmm. So the original kind of aim of MCO was to bridge that gap um, and allow surgeons to safely monitor all of their patients over long periods of time and then have the clinical case to pull some patients back in uh, for, for further consultation mm-hmm. so that they can effectively provide better quality of care for all patients. Mm-hmm. If we fast forward to today, that kind of clinical need uh, is is becoming more and more apparent in lots and lots of different conditions. So from, from ophthalmology and rheumatology to general medicine, paediatrics and all sorts. Um, we've been working with uh, you guys up here in Scotland on the Cancer Innovation Challenge um, and the, the kind of recent background to proms in oncology really started to get attention uh, in only about two years ago. Um, where there was a randomised control trial published in the Journal of the American Medical Association, so a really big, high-profile journal in the States. Um, And it was also one of the keynote presentations at the big American Cancer Conference, the American Society of Clinical Oncology, or ASCO. Um, And what this randomised control trial, um, just to explain, randomised control trial being the kind of bulletproof um, scientific research about the benefits of a new intervention where you're comparing what currently exists to what what is being tested so in that randomized control trial it showed that adding in uh, the use of uh, remote digital patient reported outcome measures uh, exactly as we had been doing elsewhere uh, but adding that in around the care of patients with advanced cancer can actually help keep those patients alive longer And the result was that on average, those patients could live uh, five months longer as a result of just adding in this new type of of measurement. And of course, it's not that the technology is is magical or actually directly impacting the care of those patients, but it's what the technology enables, you know, as is so often the case. Um, And with, with nurses and clinical oncologists having access to that remotely gathered data, they could intervene when patients were were letting them know that they were deteriorating or that they were suffering horrible side effects as a result of their chemotherapy. So they could intervene to investigate uh, that deterioration and prevent that patient showing up to A&E and getting admitted um, and potentially deteriorating further or or only showing up when it's when it's too late uh, to treat them effectively. Or they could respond to that to that to the suffering that they were getting as a result of their chemotherapy, so that patients could stay engaged with their chemotherapy and could tolerate it for longer, and therefore get the full treatment. Um, so that, that clinical trial was hugely powerful. I think it was one of the drivers. The the the, um, the attention that, that that publication got was one of the drivers. I think for the cancer innovation challenge. It's also led to some other really exciting work we're doing elsewhere in oncology. 
So this leads nicely into your, uh, uh, your work with the Cancer Innovation Challenge. So do you want to tell us a bit about the project that was funded through there and the, the work you did and, you know, kind of the, the kind of current work around that that's resulted from the initial uh, funding? So um, we we hadn't been doing any work in Scotland at all. We were we we were a small uh, small company doing quite a lot of work in in the NHS in England and Wales, um, and bits in the in the private sector, pr- predominantly in England. Um, and we saw advertised uh, a funding call um, put up by the uh, the Cancer Innovation Challenge guys here at the Data Lab, uh, looking for digital solutions to address this challenge of collecting patient reported outcome measures and patient-reported experience measures uh, in routine clinical practice. Um, and we read the brief, and it, it, it exactly fitted the kinds of work we were doing, I should say, until that point, not in oncology. Um, so we, we responded, and I think we were one of a handful of, of companies uh, to get through the first phase. And what it allowed us to do was to carve out the time to work with clinical teams to, to really explore how this might work in Scotland, uh, for both clinicians and their patients, uh, but also taking the time to work out how it might scale uh, if things were su- were successful. So the uh, original uh, piece of work um, that uh, the CIC funded was for us to work with the folks at NHS Ayrshire and Arran, um, and we we led by Dr. Peter McLean, who's the clinical director of cancer services at Ayrshire and Arran, um, and we really got into detail around what his needs were managing a, a, a chemotherapy service at Ayrshire and Aaron, where, where the gaps were, where we might be able to fit our existing technology. So not looking to build build new stuff, but looking to leverage uh, work and insights uh, from elsewhere and how we could fit the My Clinical Outcome system around his clinical workflows. Um, subsequent phases allowed us to, to get deeper into configuring our system to meet those needs. Um, I think we're now two, two or so years on and pleased to say that that original work is still going from strength to strength um, at Ayrshire and Aaron. Uh, the use case there is asking really quite detailed symptom and side effect uh, questions really quite frequently during chemo- the chemotherapy process, uh, you know, almost directly replicating that research that was, that was done in the States. So that's meaning that the service is, is um, responding to those individual question responses that patients have and can take steps to, to address them. Um, practically what that means is they have those results when patients show up for their next chemotherapy appointment and can and can have a conversation with patients about what they mean but also it means that they have that data uh, that's entered remotely by patients in between consultations and can proactively intervene and follow up with a with an additional telephone consultation and that's a, that's an approach that's been challenging in the past because to put a telephone consultation in for for all patients um, can can take quite a lot of time. So so uh, typically for these patients, 20, 25 uh, minutes in order to run through questions and see if there's anything that can be done. And what the system is is enabling at Ayrshire and Aaron is that um, only certain patients can be prioritised for a telephone consultation and then that, that consultation is much, much shorter, more like four or five minutes. Um, so again, it's kind of bridging this gap. You know, of course, the ideal situation would, would be that clinicians would have infinite amounts of time for all patients. But what it's doing is it's allowing them to prioritise in a smart way so that they can have the big, make the biggest difference for as many patients as possible. So this work in Ayrshire and Aaron's, obviously, it, it, it has gone beyond the pilot phase. It is actually actively live and adopted in the service. 
Yeah, exactly. So the Cancer Innovation Challenge funding did, did exactly what it what it was supposed to do, which was pump pump prime the system. It you know it bought uh, both sides uh, more time than they would normally have in a commercial relationship to properly explore and embed a solution that was going to work for the long term, but then also work on the business case for for how the model could could be self sustaining. Um, I think we're now into our uh, into our second year, and I think um, you know what it's allowed us to do then is is to is to broker a direct commercial relationship with uh, the folks at Ayrshire and Aaron. Uh, also, I should say, taking the time um, to get through all of the internal governance processes and get all of that data sharing agreements uh, um, and uh, security interrogations uh, covered off. Um, and, and it set the, the foundation for, for a lasting relationship. So we're, we're now into a, a more normal uh, contractual relationship with, with Escher and Aaron, while the Cancer Innovation Challenge has continued to fund more innovative aspects. So further phases of the, of the challenge um, have funded similar but reassuringly different models. So we've been able to take, take the time to explore those different models in other services. Do you want to talk about some of those subsequent phases? Um, so... I think phase two, I get a bit confused by the different phase, phases and sub-phases, but uh, the, ne- the next piece of work after the Cancer Innovation Challenge, uh, after the first phase, was um, to work with um, clinicians at the Beetson, West of Scotland Cancer Centre, uh, where we engaged uh, breast cancer oncologists uh, to look at a pathway for secondary breast cancer patients. Um, and the, the, the need, also the nuance of the need there, was that different uh, cohorts of secondary breast cancer patients would merit from different levels of follow-up and that actually a more stratified follow-up process for these patients uh, would be smart Um, and that actually asking different sets of questions in order to be able to uh, stratify and push patients into different pathways um, was going to be the way of of addressing this long-term follow-up burden. So the next phase of of the project was to do the design work uh, there was then a pause, uh, and where, while the Beetson um, went, went and uh, sought funding, and we got the contractual model in place. I'm pleased to say that implementation work has has now kicked off, and it will go live with patients hopefully early in 2020. Um, subsequent phases then uh, was to to work uh, with Great, Greater Glasgow and Clyde um, uh, uh, gynaecological surgeons, so on an ovarian cancer pathway. Uh, which uh, the funding was announced in the summer. It's a qu- quite a different model uh, here, where it was quite a short project, only funded for six months, uh, but to work with the clinical team to get to um, get a pathway up and running and, and live with patients, which it currently is. Uh, but the nuance of that piece of work was to ensure that uh, the uh, data could be integrated into the clinical system. Uh, it's kind of a side note, but... Uh, a big challenge, of course, with, with healthcare data is interoperability and integrating that data and making sure that data is collected once but used many times. Um, and you know, we at My Clinical Outcomes are very keen uh, to, to enable and, and work as smartly as we can to make, make that happen and make that a true story. Uh, but there are so often contractual or commercial or technical barriers on the on the. the um, hospital side so what's been great about that project is um, working also with the folks from the national digital platform we've been able to make that integration happen into gg into greater glasgow and clyde uh, systems uh, a fourth and uh, final phase of the project of the, of the cic has been to work with the folks at scan so the south and east scotland cancer network 
where the innovation was to deploy across a whole uh, region, so across all of SCAN, which is four health boards, um, and to do that across multiple clinical teams. So there's seven different uh, conditions have gone live. Again, it's a short project. It's only over six months, um, and it's currently up and running. We're collecting data as we speak across the whole of the, south, uh, whole of the SCAN region. What we're hoping is that we're, we're proving out that, you, that this is uh, possible and has value at different stages of the cancer pathway, and whether folks want to start by supporting acute services with detailed symptom and side effect data, or want to jump to the other end of the pathway and ask really quite high-level screening questions in order to be able to manage populations, that there's value in both approaches and that you can actually bring both approaches together. Uh, and our, our hope and our ambition is to continue to work with the folks at the National Digital Platform uh, to make that a reality where actually we're not just able to be flexible in where in the pathway you start, but we're also able to be flexible in, in how it's deployed, hopefully deploying through the National Digital Platform in some form. Uh, speaking of the National Digital Platform, that was also actually the final phase of uh, Cancer Innovation Challenge kind of funding to do a we pilot um, kind of around using the national digital platform as the interface essentially with the rest of Scotland's boards. Uh, so that work is about to start, I believe. You're, you're right. December you're, now. <laughs> you're, you're, you're right. You're right, of course, uh, Steph. That, so yeah, the fi final uh, and most recent sm small phase of, of funding with the Cancer Innovation Challenge has been to work out and do that design work. Um, with the National Digital Platform folks, both on the technical side, but also on the legal and procurement side, because it's often not just the technology that is the barrier mm -hmm. to widespread adoption of, of new new products and services in healthcare, but it's it's how to, how they need to interface with incumbent systems and what that looks like from a commercial and procurement point of view as well. Do you want to uh, talk a bit about the, the other work that MCO does out with Scotland? Um, because like you said earlier, um, MCO didn't start as a cancer oncology tool. So uh, you're obviously doing stuff out with that. Uh, it'd be good to hear just a quick summary of some of the other things you're doing. Yes, <clears throat> thanks. So we um, we have a number of uh, long-standing projects working directly with the NHS. So our, lo our longest-standing uh, project is with orthopaedic surgeons at the Royal Cornwall Hospital, so the far other end of the, of the country, um, where we are supporting a, that, that virtual follow-up of hip and knee replacement patients. Um, we have pockets of activity working directly with, with um, uh, NHS hospitals, but we've learned actually that uh, a slightly sort of more strategic way to, to interact with hospitals is where there is some sort of third party partner. Mm -hmm. A great example of that is some work we're doing with Macmillan Cancer S Support uh, and the Royal College of Radiologists, mm -hmm. who are co funding a program to roll my clinical outcomes out as, a, uh, as an answer to the long term follow up and screening of patients with pelvic radiotherapy. Mm -hmm. So, cancer again. Um, the approach taken there has been slightly different to what we've seen with, with the CIC. Um, and the, the problem that they're looking to solve is that patients who undergo pelvic radiotherapy often live for long periods of time afterwards. Pelvic radiotherapy is really successful treatment. Um, and so they're, so they're quite often not followed up as closely as uh, they, they might otherwise be because cancer services are under, under pressure, as we're all aware. So they're using MCO in, in order to screen patients for potential um, adverse consequences that caused by their radiotherapy. Um, so, you know, 
crudely the, the radiotherapy itself is very good at treating the cancer but can cause other local problems so problems with the bladder and the bowel bleeding pain mm. incontinence etc but often these these uh, issues develop much later so mm. 6 12 24 months mm. after treatment finishes so mco is being used as a way to screen for these problems and then point patients in the right direction mm. so it's a really kind of uh, powerful um uh, project from our point of view started in three sites last year um, a fourth site's just been added with, with uh, Oxford coming on board um, elsewhere we do quite a lot of work in the UK private sector there's a, a new regulatory requirement in the private sector to, to understand and collect and soon to publish uh, outcomes mm-hmm. uh, because there's an awareness that there is variation uh, both in, in quality of care across the sector and also in the cost of that care, and that that's not necessarily in the best interests of patients. Um, so our longest-standing client is Spire Healthcare. They have 39 hospitals across the UK, and we've been working with them across seven different pathways, um, which is increasing all the time um, for the past three years or so. And, and what's really um, pa- impactful on, on that side is the, is the value in the, in the data and the analytics that we're now able to provide, uh, both around how the platform is being used, but also in what the data means. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a, a, been, a, been a great experience for us. Hopefully the audience can understand, but like, what what has the involvement in the CIC and you know interactions with Data Lab, you know, meant for MCO? So it's we're, we're super we're super grateful, Steph, as I, as I know you know. Like it's <laughs> um, it, no. <laughs> um, so what what it's done is it's given us uh, it's been a stepping stone. It's been a catalyst to to allow us to do what we hope is is great work, is is value adding work. It's making a difference to to patients' lives, and making clinicians' jobs slightly slightly easier. Uh, it's allowing us to get involved and do that work. I think sooner than we otherwise would, and in a way that is easier and safer and more supported for patient for, for the folks that we're working with. So it's less of a leap for them to 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 work directly with a with a company uh, like ours that's trying to do new stuff. So it's it's really sort of fostered these innovative approaches you know that are, that are not one-sided so it's not us bringing the innovation the innovation is in the is in the collaboration and the, and the CIC and data lab have have properly nurtured that end-to-end both for, on our side but also providing that 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 support and reassurance to to the folks that engage us um yeah my final question um so what's next for MCO that is a good question so we um we've stayed true to this one one mission uh, for since we started in 2011 and what we're working out is that is that our mission is, is it fits in with other other agendas so the national digital platform being a great case in point but i think we still stay true to the overriding cause which is that uh, that data is lacking in healthcare um, but also actually the way that we structure healthcare services is is not is not quite right where every activity is is paid for and i think we really what's next is we really want to be part of a shift to uh, in terms of how healthcare services are run in terms of how how healthcare services are paid for so that actually the whole system is realigned and focused on delivering the outcomes that matter to patients because that that ultim- ultimately is why we're all in healthcare mm-hmm. so we're what's next for us is we're on the lookout uh, for any projects that help further that aim. So I think we're, we're sort of moving into a new phase where it goes away from individual projects and small teams to actually where what where can we have the greatest impact? Great. Um, 
just uh, touching on that, actually, like um, the CIC had a hashtag, uh, which was borrowed uh, from the Fire Institute, but it was data saves lives. And uh, it'd be good to know how you think MCO kind of fits into that and uh, and the work you've done. Yeah, so I, th- I guess we we are a healthcare company. Um, and I think you know anyone involved in healthcare is ultimately incentivized to save lives. But I think the, the nuance within that for us is we want patients living the best life possible for as long as possible. And I think it's quality of life and the perspective of patients that's so frequently lost. So if we can play a tiny part in realigning that focus onto the outcomes that matter to patients by making it simple... Um, and cost-effective for health systems to routinely collect you and use this data to improve the lives of individual patients, but then also have access to the aggregate analytics so that they can see unwarranted variation and do more of what works well, take out the cost of what's not working so well and spend that money better on making other people's lives better, mm-hmm. then we'll have, we'll have done our job. That's great. Thank you very much, Tim. And uh, we wish um, my clinical outcomes the very best. And it's been great working with you guys on the CIC. Great talking to you, Steph. And uh, yeah, likewise, fantastic working with you and, and long may it continue. Thank you. Thank you.